welcome to General Conference Conversations, where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you studying the words of Christ's chosen leaders. I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome back to an episode of General Conference Conversations. Um, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to do this particular talk um, is one is a topic that's very close to my heart so <clears throat> I'm very excited to go through it with you guys today so we are on um, other Montoya's talk of the eternal principle of love and as usual I encourage you to listen to or read this talk before you come and listen to me talk about this talk <laughs> um, so that you can get your own thoughts and feels and inspiration that um, hopefully I can then maybe add to. Um, and I'll maybe think about things in a different way. So, of course, the talk title pretty straightforward, right? It's pretty much everything that he talks about in this talk. And he's talking about love. <clears throat> um, and he, like, very, very immediately, the very first thing that he says is, oh, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> the eternal principle of love is manifested by living the two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Which is, of course, as you said, the two great commandments, right? And I I'm not sure how I want to like phrase all of my thoughts about this because this God's love for us <clears throat> and his commandment to love everyone is something that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, and <clears throat> I think is what guides and frames and everything, <laughs> everything in the gospel. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I've got like cross off my third day. One of my favorite things, my actually the favorite, my one favorite thing to teach as a missionary was that God loves all of his children. And that's the first principle. So you have like the five lessons in the first three. Um, you kind of teach in the amalgamation that you need to teach for the person that you're teaching. The suggested first one is about the restoration. And you start off by saying God loves all of his children. And like explaining our belief that we are literally spiritual children of God, that he is our father. And that Christ is our literal like spirit brother, right? <coughs> and honestly, that's 
the for me personally that's the aspect of the gospel the aspect of our beliefs that's most important to me and it was a big reason why I even went on a mission to begin with <laughs> I I felt that love I knew that love I experienced that love um, throughout my entire high school experience particularly after um, I, my dad got in a pretty bad car accident um, summer before my junior year and it was rough <laughs> and I had kind of all I'd known for a few years that I wanted to go on a mission but going through that and having to actually rely on the savior and on God and prayer and the scriptures I was able to feel that love for me and for my family and for everybody and I was like man if God loves me this much then he must love everybody this much and I want to tell everybody how much he loves them and I think that's what I told my bishop because I had told him I was like I want to start putting my mission papers in he's like okay hey, why do you want to go on a mission and I was like well I've seen the gospel work in my life and I want to tell the people about it and he was like that, that's a good reason I was like thanks <laughs> um but it was that was one of my favorite things and even if I wasn't talking specifically about the gospel like if I for example, I talked about this a little bit last episode, during COVID, uh, we were online and we were messaging people on Facebook. And sometimes we did never get on the topic of the gospel. Sometimes we would. Uh, if they were like, why are you messaging me? Who are you? Why is your companion in this chat with us? But there were times that we just talked to, to people because people just needed people to somebody to listen and sh so showing that love also like the actual act of of being god's christ's hands right like be and love people the way he would love them or at least a fraction of how he would love them because i'm not perfect at it but to show people that they're seen and loved and heard and so that's why i love this talk so much because the two great commandments and just the eternal principle of love which i love that's that's how he's phrased it the eternal principle of love is very near and dear to my heart so i'll probably have a lot to say anyway so he tells a story and i swear i've heard this story before but i don't know where because i don't think I've heard Elder Montaya speak. Maybe he did as a missionary or something and I like didn't realize that was him. But he tells a story. He was living there's first there's his first year, first winter living in Utah. And he was um he had to get up to shovel the snow from the driveway. And he saw his neighbor across the street um opening his garage and he was a little older, so he's like, oh, if I finish, maybe I can help. And so he's like, oh, do you need any help, brother? And he said, oh, thank you, other Montoya. And then he pulled out a snowblower. And by the time he had finished snowblowing his 
um, driveway, sorry, he came over to help Ella Montoya <laughs> finish his. And which one is just a really sweet little interaction. Um, and then he says this, which I really love. Um, we are willing to help each other because we love each other. And my brother's needs become my needs and mine become his. No matter what language my brother speaks or what country he comes from, we love each other because we are brothers, children of the same father. <clears throat> Which I just, I love that and I, That was something that also as a missionary and since being a missionary that I've tried to keep with me was being able to see people as God's children, no matter whether they yell at us or invited us in for cookies, whether they accepted the gospel or they didn't accept the gospel whether they even wanted to talk about the gospel or not want to talk about the gospel, whether they were just walking down the street and I didn't even interact with them at all. Or they were my companions and I was really struggling with something going on in our companionship. There were many, many times that God helped me to open my eyes <laughs> and see them as he saw them, as his kids, as his children as people just like me who are trying to figure out life and this weird world that we all live in and who sometimes failed and that was okay. Um, and so I just love the way that he phrases this of like when, you know, when we're willing to help each other because we love each other. And because we love each other, then our needs become their needs and their needs become our needs. And we, we want to help because we love them and we see them the way that God sees them. Um, and he talks a little bit about ministering. He brings up ministering um, when President Nelson announced it. Um, he called it a new, newer, holier approach to caring for and ministering to others. And Elder Montoya says, um, sorry, I lost my spot. Anyway, oh, he says, to me, holier means more personal, deeper, more like the Savior's way. Have love one to another, one by one. And so I'm terrible at ministering. I'll say that. Right, right, right from the get-go. I am terrible at ministering. We have a ministering activity in our ward tonight and I'm so terrified to go because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get interviewed and I'm going to have to tell them again that I was like, oh, I didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> I don't even know who my, I don't think I have a companion and I've been meaning to text our Lee Society president for weeks asking who my companion is and I just haven't. <clears throat> but it's fine. But I love the concept of ministering. And I know, I remember as a missionary because I, they had just changed 
to ministering about a year before my mission. So people were still getting used to it. Um, so I never visit, like was, I was never a visiting teacher or a home teacher or anything like that. I had, like we had home teachers. My, my mom's visiting teachers came every once in a while, but I never did it because I wasn't old enough. And then I was a missionary and so I didn't do ministering either. Um, and so for the last two years since being home from mission, I have tried and failed <laughs> to be a good ministering sister, <laughs> but it's fine. But I remember when they announced it, like I remember where I was when they announced it. And I remember like being a really big deal. I remember a lot of bishops on my mission being like, people just can't wrap their mind around ministering. You know, I have members who are really, really, really great at home teaching and visiting teaching and they just they can't do ministering for some reason. It just doesn't make sense in their head. And the reason I loved ministering, and this is, I talked about this, and I'm probably going to talk about this, this whole conference, because it was such a big part of this conference, was principle-based ministering, principle-based goal-setting, principle-based for strength of youth. Like, we've had all of these program changes the last few years, that are kind of veering away from a checklist of what we need to do what we should do and to a here is why we do this and this is kind of the general what we need you to do but it's up to you and up to your personal revelation and, and between you and god and that was definitely the change of ministering right it's literally the same thing it's the same program it's you're assigned to people in your ward to look after them because the Relief Society cannot, you know, the Relief Society presidency is only three people. They can't have a personal, deep, deep relationship with literally every sister in the ward. They can try and usually they do a really good job of it, but it's a whole lot easier when you uh, are assigned to somebody and um can help kind of take care of the flock you know and everybody kind of has that or not everybody but a lot of people have that assignment and so that's it's the same it's the same concept right it's the same kind of program but instead of a checklist of you need to visit them once a month and share uh, a um, a message from the ensign, it's get in contact with them somehow, whether that's a call or a text, or you go visit. Um, that that's, it's, it's not a checklist anymore. It's what that person needs and is, is comfortable with. Um, Personally, I feel like I would feel very much like a checklist if somebody just came to my house every month and was like, yep, cool, we did it, bye, and I didn't see them till the next month. My ministering sisters, I actually haven't met one in person yet, but she's texted me before and I've texted her. I've met my other ministering sister in person, and they've been talking about trying to figure out a time to come see me, but they're both busy. And, and that feels much more genuine than saying, hey, are you okay if we come over? We'd love to meet you in person, but if not, that's okay. Um, 
that feels much more genuine to me than, hey, can we come over to fulfill our quota this month? And I know that not all of it is sitting in home teachers did that, obviously. My mom has amazing stories um, from when she was growing up. Her parents were divorced and her dad didn't live with her. And so her ministering and all of her siblings are sisters. She doesn't have any brothers. So her ministering brothers or her home teachers were the ones who would come over and help around the house and do like school blessings and healing blessings, things like that. Because I didn't have a priesthood holder in the home. And so I know a lot of people have really amazing stories from having home teachers and visiting teachers just be their best friends. Um, and you know, I didn't feel like a home teacher. They just felt like they were someone who knew them really, really well. Uh, but that was not the reality for everybody, right? Um, but, but I do love that he talks about this. He's like, holier means to me, holier means more personal, deeper, more like the Savior's way. Love one to another one by one. Um, that it is, it's just a little bit. It, it, it sounds easier, right? It sounds easier like, oh, well, then I don't have to. I don't have to, like, visit every month. I can just text. But honestly, it's a little bit harder to take that initiative and to, you know, know that there's not something you check off at the end of the month. Um, and he continues, he goes on, It is not enough to avoid being a stumbling block for others. It is not enough to notice the needy on the road and pass by. Let us take advantage of every opportunity to help our neighbor, even if it is the first time and only time we meet him or her in this life. And <clears throat> I like, I love that too, because I feel like also ministering has kind of widened the... I feel like it's just the word ministering. It's not home teaching, it's not visit teaching, it's ministering. And ministering can encompass a lot of different things. Rather, like, it, it could encompass going over and sharing a message from the unsigned. Maybe you go over and do family home evening or something. But it can also mean ministering to literally anybody that you come across, not just the people that you're assigned to. Um, and so while it is a program in the church, it's also a way of living and a way of being like Christ and a way of loving our neighbors. Because our neighbors, <laughs> there's this really sweet, um, one of the videos that, that shows between sessions of conference, I can't remember what specifically they're talking about, but it's it's one of those like kids explain this, and so there's one that's about like baptism, and they're talking about what immersion is, and they can't say immersion correctly because they're like five. And there's one where they talk about you know what does loving your neighbor mean? Who are your neighbors? And a couple of the kids are like, oh, they're the people who live next to you. And there's this one little kid who goes, well, really, if you think about it, neighbors are anybody that you come across. And it's just like the cutest little 
he's so sweet and he's got like a little lisp and and he's so bright he's so bright right like obviously our neighbors are our neighbors like are literally the people who live next to us um but they're also just people around us who we may not necessarily live right next to but that we live close to or that we don't live close to at all we have this amazing thing called social media <laughs> that we can use to get a hold of literally anybody we possibly could want to, right? And I know that I've had experiences where I've, you know, thought of an old companion or something and, and texted them and been like, you know, I miss you and I love you and I hope you're doing good. And we get this long conversation. I had one, I had a sister that I wasn't even companions with, but who I adored and was in a district with. And she messaged me the other day, and she was like, I've been thinking about you, and I love you, and I miss you. And we've been talking for like a week now about, just sporadically, it's not like it's crazy stuff, you know, we're not texting every moment of every day, but we've caught up a little bit, and we're talking about how our lives been, and it's been great. And I love that she reached out to me because it felt, it felt so nice to like talk to her again. So that's kind of my question. I guess I've kind of already <laughs> answered this question, but I can answer it again. I have many experiences, many stories. Um, has ministering changed your life? And I want to also say, have, has home teaching and visiting teaching also changed your life? Since ministering has only been around for, what, like five years? Um, and either as a ministering sister or a visiting teacher or a home teacher, um, but also being ministered to or visit taught or home taught, um, has that changed your life in any way? Um, do you have stories? Do you have experiences? Do you have people that you still know and love and, you know, are in contact with to this day? Um, so I was talking about my ministering sisters. So the one I haven't actually met in person, I met her husband. <laughs> because he teaches, um, primary with us. But I don't think I've actually met her in, in person, which is awkward. Um, she texted us uh, almost as soon as we moved in, months and months ago. Because we, we moved into a new ward uh, in May. And... She texted me almost immediately and introduced herself and was like, hey, if you ever need anything, I'm around. And I was like, well, thanks. And then her companion, my other ministering sister, texted me a few weeks ago. And then I saw her with a trunk or treat for our ward. And she and her husband, they have a little baby, came by and we gave him candy. And he was like, and her husband, she was talking to somebody else. Her husband's like, I don't think we met you guys yet i'm so and so and this is my wife so and so i was like oh yeah your wife's my ministering sister and she like popped her head on and she goes yeah i am it's so nice to finally meet you in person even though i'm terrible at <laughs> ministering but it felt so nice to and and we stayed by our car because we didn't want to leave there just two of us um my husband went off and got us like hot chocolate and stuff, but I stayed in the car to hand out candy. But the few people that we've gotten to know at least a little bit in the ward, 
uh, came by and said hi and asked how we were doing. And so, you know, my actual ministering sister came by and I got to meet her, but also the people that I've gotten close to, my teaching companions in primary and my um, our, our primary president who I adore and um, our neighbor that lives down the street and just like the people who we've at least had a passing acquaintance with it felt nice to them to come by and you know take a minute out of their night to, to talk to us and to see us and um, I am so pretty <laughs> I'm gonna cry I love people who are good at that because I'm not <laughs> I we've been in this word for six months and I'm just now getting to know people and just now getting to like getting close to people and inviting people over to our house and like because even the thought of that just like terrifies me as I said before I have anxiety specifically social anxiety so it takes me a long time to like warm up to people and I'm not good at like going up to talk, talk going up and talking to people and like initiating conversation is just like the worst thing in the entire world to me <laughs> but um, but I'm grateful for the people who have, like our neighbor down the street, the second day we were here, maybe? Um, there was a, a Relief Society activity and she came over to the house and invited me and then sat with me the entire Relief Society activity so that I wouldn't be alone. <laughs> and I was so, so grateful for her for doing that. And I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for ministering and I hope that I can, I'm working on being better at like actual ministering <laughs> myself um, so that I can hopefully help people in the same way that people have helped me. So, um, and then, so he goes on to talk about why love for God is the first commandment and because of God's love for us because we are his children and then he says um well he talks about excuse me <clears throat> mistakes and temptation also being part of God's plan for us um, that even it, though God loves us because he loves us, he allows us to be tempted and he allows us agency. And this is also kind of a big um, theme in conference this time around. Um, he says, adversity in our lives can cause doubt about the fulfillment of the promises that have been made to us. Please trust in our Father. He always keeps his promises and he can learn what he wants. We, sorry, hmm, we can learn what he wants to teach us. And sometimes that's hard for me. I'm sure that's hard for a lot of people to be continually reminded, oh, well, adversity is good though. Adversity is good. And 
it, it is. <laughs> I will agree. Um, but it's also hard when you're in the moment of that of that adversity and it doesn't feel good, right? You feel like you'll never ever get out. Um, that's kind of my my question, and as I'll go through the next few quotes as well, think about how have trials in your life actually blessed you? Um, and I'll answer that in a question in, in a second. <clears throat> but he quotes President Nelson, the one quote that has been literally quoted, I swear, a million times since he gave it, this talk, President Nelson's talk, Joy and Spiritual Survival, 2016. This is before he was even president of the church. Um, and he is this, oh, this quote has been quoted so many times in conference since then, like, I feel like I should be taking a tally. The joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. And just like think about how many times you've heard that in conference since 2016, the last six years. <laughs> like, so almost like once a conference, I swear. Um, and then Elder Montoya says... Mm -hmm. Sorry. We can sit back and wait for circumstances to change on their own, or we can look for and bring about new circumstances. And I love this concept. I do want to add something to it though, because as you're thinking about all the good things that have come from adversity, you can also think about the times that you were in that adversity and it really sucked, like really sucked a lot. And I shared this at some point. I can't remember if it was this season or last season. Um, this conference or last conference about, um, I have a really good friend who was recently, well, she recently got married. Very exciting. But for about six months before they got married, six months? Can't remember. Right after they got engaged, literally the day they got engaged, she got on a plane to go home from school and he was staying at school. And so they were doing long distance for a few months. Um, so they like a wedding planned long distance and everything like that. They didn't get to see each other. I know that pain as I've probably, as I know I've said it here before. So this is probably a repeat of information. But I promise it ties back. Um, my husband and I were long distance for a year. And then before that, for six months while I was still on my mission. And in that year and a half, we only saw each other once in person for about five days. Um, we got engaged over video call. We planned our wedding over video call. Um, and then I saw him. I flew up to Canada. Uh, three weeks before you got married. So I completely understood where she was coming from. And I was texting her, messaging her. And it was totally not me. The spirit was like, here, here's this. I said, it's okay to mourn unmet expectations. And that has been like my motto. And so I want to add that to this. 
it's okay to mourn things that don't go the way you want them to go because that's just a normal human thing. Um, sometimes you just have to feel your feelings about not getting into that school or not getting that job or whatever it is, right? Obviously there are big things too, but sometimes those small things, um, like my friend was like, I know I'm going to see him in a few months. I know that we're going to get married in a few months and that after we get married, we're literally going to not ever not see each other <laughs> for eternity. And that's what people keep telling me. It's to have an eternal perspective and it's driving me nuts because right now I feel crappy and I want to feel crappy. And I was like, you can feel crappy. It's okay. Like you can be frustrated that you don't get to be with him, especially since you just got engaged like yesterday and <laughs> now you're not with him and you won't be with him for weeks. And so, so I love this, I feel like it's just a big, big whole conversation about adversity and tr trials and mistakes and temptations and like all of the bad things that happen in life. They're meant to be there. God doesn't hate you because you're in the middle of an adversity. He doesn't hate you because you're in the middle of a trial. He doesn't hate you that you made a mistake. It's part of life. You can mourn about it. You can be really, really, really upset about it. And that's okay. And then you can move forward with the hope and the faith that God's got you. And that he's got something really, really, really amazing in mind for you. Um, <clears throat> and that's why I love this quote is we can sit back and wait for circumstances to change on their own. Or you can we can look for and bring about new circumstances. And... <clears throat> That, that, that like taking initiative again, right? Of like doing it and doing something to change our circumstances with the faith and reliance on the savior. I just love that. So I want you to think about that. That's my other question for you today is when has adversity been good for you? <clears throat> with all of that in mind, with all of the mourning and being really upset and frustrated, but also trying to move forward and maybe you found something better. Maybe you didn't, but maybe you learned something. Um, I could sit here and tell you stories for hours about things that I've gone through that made my life better. And um, and I would, but I don't have time, so I won't. But I'm sure you can think of a bunch as well, looking back. Hindsight is 2020, right? Like looking back, you can always find that it was like, oh, it was really good for us. Um, and then <clears throat> I just, this kind of, <laughs> this is kind of off topic, but I just really loved this, this little like paragraph quote. Um, When I hear the questions, Heavenly Father, are you really there? And do you hear and answer every child's prayer? I like to answer, he has been, he is, and he will always be there for you and me. I am his son, he is my father, and I am learning to be a good father as he is. And <clears throat> I just, it was just a good, really sweet thing 
one because I love a child's prayer is one of my favorite like kid songs or children's songs but also his his answers like he has been there he is there he will always be there I am his son he is my father and he's really great at it and isn't that an amazing reassurance that we get to have that and believe that and hope for that <clears throat> um, this is also just a really sweet little um, quote he says bless your children whether they are five or 50 years old be with them before them although providing is a responsibility established by divine design we must not forget to share joyful time with our children and so that was right after he told the story um about giving blessings but i just loved that like bless your children whether they are five or 50 years old um i don't have any kids but i i know that even when i'm 50 i will want to continue to have blessings and get blessings from people that i love anyway <clears throat> and then this last quote that i'll read today um i feel like kind of just sums it all up sort of um i have noticed that the small portion that i can understand of the atonement of jesus christ increases my love for the father and his son decreases my desire to sin and be disobedient and increases my willingness to be better and do better and i think that just is what boils it all down right that love is what sets us free is a really cliche way to say it what inspires us to do better and to be better um there's two ways to inspire change right fear and love fear has never worked for me at least not for lasting i changed because i was afraid <laughs> at least not in ways that counted Usually I change because I'm afraid and it's not a good change. It's a fearful change because I'm scared of getting caught or I'm scared of getting in trouble or I'm scared of her being hurt or, you know, but when I change because I love something, I change because God loves me. That is lasting and beautiful change. And I wouldn't trade that for anything even when it comes really really terrible ways <laughs> really really hard adversities um so yeah so I'll recap two questions for you one is um, has ministering changed your life also home teaching and visiting teaching not just ministering but has it has it changed your life either being a ministering sister or brother or being ministered to and then how have um that your adversities in your life actually been a good thing. And if you're looking for any extra study, further study, um, the ministering talk by President Nelson, where he introduces ministering, I think is really good. And then Joy and Spiritual Survival, which is the other President Nelson talk that was the, um, the very high quoted quote that I read earlier. Um, yeah. God loves you.
I have such a firm belief in that, that I can just say that. Like, he loves you, and your Savior loves you, and that love can change anything. Literally anything. It's amazing. Um, and yeah, that's all I've got for you. Thank you so much for listening to and or watching <laughs> this episode of General Conference Conversations. Be sure to like and follow and share us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you like the show, please subscribe or leave a review and tell your friends and family. Also, a quick reminder that there is a physical study guide to go along with these videos. Uh, you can find that link in the description. Until next time.